was thinking and praying today about the message tonight, and uh, I thought I, I was thinking about challenges or great difficulties in my life and ministry that I uh, have faced, and uh, I thought about, you know, the most exciting times, the most stressful times, the uh, most uh, pressurizing times were those times in my life when I was not in control. Now, how many of you like to be in control? May I see your hand? How many don't like to be in control at all? And you just feel like you're out of control. Well, we all like control. Here's the deal. When we pray, we like God to answer. How soon do we like God to answer? Right away. We like to tell him, I like that answer. Right away. God's not your butler. Hello? He's not your chauffeur. He's the supreme ruler of the universe who rules and controls time. And we're grateful. So I thought, I thought about that, and I, I remembered several, several incidences of, of my life. What am I going to do? How am I going to manage this? Now, here's what I know. All of us, let me rephrase that, a good majority of us like to do everything that we can to get our problem, our challenge resolved without having to finally say, um, okay, God, your turn. Anybody with me out there? We like to figure it out. After all, God gave us some gray matter between our ears. We like to figure it out. Okay, let's, let's go here. Well, if that way doesn't work, I'll run over there. But there are those times if you're absolutely transparent to say, I've been to the place, there was no way out except, okay, God, I give up trying to make it happen. Well, you're not alone. Look at the Scripture in the Old Testament, many of those individuals. Uh, I've shared the illustration before when I was involved in, in the Masterpiece Gardens Family Conference Center many years ago and building all of those facilities. That was, that was my job, raising the money, the millions of dollars for all of those facilities. That was my job. And we ran into a challenge of not being able to get, get water uh, to the facility from the, the highway. And the county had just, I don't know what happened, they changed leaders. We had it, and to go straight through the swamp area, uh, was, which was about 300 yards, three football fields, that was the shortest distance through it. Um, we thought, okay, we can do that. To go around on the highway would have been about 3.1 miles. Now, you got to lay pipe that 3.1 miles. That is a lot of expense. And I'm building a family conference center, a youth center for youth. And so I thought, I'm, I want to go through here, right straight through. And so we didn't know it was more wooded than it is out here on this side and snakes and alligators coming around. So I, I, Ask around and had some individuals that Buck Buchanan, Buck Buchanan was not afraid of anything. He wasn't afraid of snakes, alligators, moccasins, or anything else. And buddy, we bought him a brand new chainsaw with about a blade on that thing about that long and said, okay, Buck, go to work. And buddy, he went through in a place about as wide as this pew right here or this side all the way over to that side and cut trees down and just let them fall did he run into snakes absolutely 
Most of them scampered. If they didn't scamper, he put the saw on them. Went right on through. And every day, about 10 hours a day, for a period of about two months, until finally all the trees are down. Well, we're going to take a pipe through there, water line, about that big. Now I need an engineer. I went to one engineering company, and they said, Reverend, that's a marvelous idea. You've cut the trees down. What are you going to do with the trees? I said, well, I drove a bulldozer out there. I got about 10 yards out, and the front of the bulldozer sunk. Have you checked the depth of the muck? Muck. I said, no, but I will. He said, I'll come out and check it for you. He bought a 30-foot piece of rebar and standing with one hand behind his back and the rebar this way, and he pushed all 30 feet down, and it never had to strain his arm to keep going. I thought, well, it looks like we got a problem. He sa- I said to him, i got to get that line through. i got a camp coming up in about eight months. I've got 600 campers coming. It's got to happen. He said, and I don't like this word. Maybe that's why I don't like it. Good luck. That's the same thing one of those repair guys told me about my refrigerator. Good luck. I thought, well, you know, he doesn't know everything. I went and found me another engineer. You know what I'm saying? I've, I've never been one to, you, you take the first word, check it out, test it out. Well, this one, he came out, same story. Then I went to looking for a, a guy who was a cracker. How many know what a, a Florida cracker is? He was a cracker. He wasn't afraid of snakes or alligators. Nothing was impossible with him. Everything he owned, he either duct taped it or wired it no matter what it was, whether it was his bulldozers, front-end loaders, or anything. He didn't believe in anything new. He believed in keeping plenty of grease and oil out there. And he poured the oil in as fast as the smokestack blew it out. And that was him. And I brought him out here. I said, you got an engineer that's familiar with what you do? He said, I sure do. He's my brother-in-law. I said, bring him out here. I said, I'm up the creek without a paddle. Wow. He brought him out here and he said, what do you think? The engineer said, well, it looks like to me the muck is about 40 feet deep. I wish wish it were a little deeper. I'm standing there thinking, I'm not wishing it's a little deeper. I'm wishing that it's only about that deep. He said, so here's what you're going to do. He says, you're going to haul dirt in and just pile it up and get your bulldozer, get on top of the dirt, push the trees down in the muck. You're going to need about 40 feet for those trees to go down in that muck. And he said, then you ought to be fine. But what a marvelous idea. What are you going to do? I bought a dump truck. I bought a tractor to load the dump truck. And for two and a half months, it was a three mile to the sand pit 
that dump truck all day long went to the sand pit, loaded, came back, unloaded. Sand pit, loaded, came back, unloaded. I drove out there from Lakeland one day only to find the driver of the dump truck. It was an amazing sight. He was so tired and so weary that he forgot to unhook the back gate of the dump. And when it went up and the back gate was not unlocked, the whole front end of that truck went straight up in the air. He was back like that and he couldn't spring himself loose to get out of the truck. God has a sense of humor. That was back before cell phones. You could take a picture. It was, I had a car phone in the car, but no camera for that. But the bottom line is this. We hauled and hauled and hauled, pressed and pressed and pressed, until finally we were able to get that line through. And still today, that line works beautifully, and all the water goes to the family conference center. But no person who ever shows up out there would know the miracle that it took to get the water there. The whole time I'm praying for an answer. The first engineer said, good luck, impossible. But Lord, second engineer, good luck, impossible. They were engineers that I call lawn engineers. You know what I'm talking about? I needed a yard engineer. I needed a cracker. I needed somebody that had wired and duct taped and everything else and had made a living out of doing things that other people were afraid to do. Other people were too smart to do. Are you all with me? And we went through it. Now, I don't know about you. I didn't like that experience. But I can tell you this. Every single day during that process, it kept me close to God. It kept me tuned in with God. I would drive from Lakeland to Lake Wells two or three times a day checking on the progress. I need a miracle. My back was against the wall. I'm 32 years old, and I have that responsibility, and I wanted desperately to succeed. It's called back against the wall. We can have those things, whether it's financially, someone the other day, a precious, precious family, I mean, they're barely meeting their obligations now. Their whole air conditioning system blew up. The cost to replace it, eight or $10,000. Where are we going to get eight or $10,000 from? We can't afford $1,000. If the microwave breaks, we can't afford the microwave. How, do you, how is your back against the wall in that regard? We understand it's a really difficult place. And when I think about all the difficult places that I've experienced, when I read the Bible, I've never, I've never offered one of my children as a sacrifice to God. I mean, on an altar. I've never had to cross a body of water without any posts just under the surface of the water to have to walk across. I've not eaten manna that fell from above on a daily basis. I've not been thrown into a lion's den yet. I've not been thrown into a hot furnace. I've not faced the kind of things that you find in Hebrews. And you understand, I've never had to call fire down from heaven with the enemy standing there ready to torture me. I mean, against the wall, 
where in those moments of your life, that in that moment of your life, God is saying to you, this is a season that will produce supernatural eternal results. And the enemy are telling you, you're a loser, you've blown it, you're going to die, you're going to drown, you deserve every bit of it. Find yourself a corner, crawl in it, cover your head up and have a pity party. And that's the only two messages that you ever hear. And we find Job. So we say, well, I've complained some, but Job had a legitimate complaint. You know his story. You know the toughness that he went through. His own spouse said, hey, Job, you're, you're too faithful. And this is what God, during that moment of Job's anxiety, this is what God said. I have some questions for you, buddy, and I want some straight answers. Where were you when I created the earth? Tell me, since you know so much. Who decided on its size? Certainly you'll know that. Who came up with the blueprints and the measurements? How was its foundation poured? And who set the cornerstone? And, and while the morning stars sang in the chorus and all the angels shouted praise, and who took charge of the ocean when it gushed forth like a baby from the womb? That was me. I've wrapped it in soft clouds and tucked it in safely at night. And then I made a playpen for it, a strong playpen, so it couldn't run loose and said, stay here. This is your place. Your wild tantrums are confined to this place. Hey, Job, what's your problem? What's your complaint? God gives Job the magnitude of his greatness. God gives him that moment. God was sharing with him his ability to care for his people. How did you come around and fixing the problem that I had? It was a God thing with all of my heart. But I'm not afraid of problems. Why? Because problems reflect God's greatness. God's great. It reflects God's greatness. You see, I do not wake up every day and say, God, if you don't mind, turn up the heat and give me a few more problems. Turn up the heat and let me get a little more exhausted. Turn up the heat, God, if you don't mind, and let, let somebody else, you know, just mouth off one more time, getting on my last nerve. You know anybody like that? First Kings is our chapter or text, 18 Go look toward the sea, he said to the servant. And he went up and looked. There's nothing there. Good luck. Good luck. There's nothing there. Seven times, Elijah said, go back. Now, in the midst of your problem and in the midst of whatever challenge it is, don't lose that good old go-back spirit. Don't lose that, hey, I'm going to keep trying. Don't lose that sooner or later, this thing's going to break. Sooner or later, the Holy Ghost is going to move and going to crack their heart, and they're going to become humble again. And they're going to come back to the Redeemer that they walked away from. 
God, some way or another, you're going to lay it on somebody's heart. It hadn't rained for years. You know that. It was dry. Can you imagine if the strawberry farmers and the citrus farmers and all those didn't get rain for a 12-month period? Do you have any idea what that would be like to the economy in this area? No rain, no rain. But how about stretching it out to several years? No rain. How dry do you think it would be? Oh, we're going to pump out. Everybody's house would have a sinkhole in the backyard. No rain. Tough situation. The drought was the headline news and not the border wall. Every ounce of energy was exhausted trying to do one thing, produce rain. Now listen carefully. I had to be careful in that little illustration that I shared with you that it did not control my life. That was not the thing that I let control my life. I held on to the fact, I don't understand this, but God, I'm going to keep trying because I know who you are. And as long as I know who you are, you have a resolution and you will not forsake me. You see, miracles do not happen, nor are they necessary if we can produce the solution to the challenge. Elijah had made a commitment to Ahab. He made that commitment to Ahab. 1 Kings 18, 41. There is the sound of a heavy rain. The need was crucial and it was great. The sound of a heavy rain. I don't hear anything. Where is it at? Often the evil influence of the devil will toy with our thinking. How long have you been trusting God? And what's the latest challenge that you have faced? How long have you been faithful to God and given and found yourself in church and tied into ministry and making it happen, small groups, Sunday school, all those things? And how dare you, God, let our air conditioner fall apart? And God, so far, no one else has come along and said, hey, we'll just loan you some money, interest-free, for as long as you need it. Nobody's come forth yet. Hey, there's the sound of a heavy rain. I, I know that no one's come forth yet, but I still believe my Redeemer lives. My Redeemer lives. Hallelujah. You see, the need was critical and great, and the evil influence of Satan will toy with the thinking, the emotion, and the faith, and he will cause us to focus upon the height and breadth of the challenge. I told someone today, who said, what do you think we ought to do about that, some situation? I said, that's a rabbit that we do not need to chase. The devil will put you on a rabbit chase, and at the end of the line, the only thing you're going to have is roasted rabbit if you ever do catch him. But you forsake the farm so that the wolf can come and eat your sheep while you're out chasing a little roasted rabbit. Are you with me? You and I were called to stand in the gap of our faith and not let these circumstances tempt us to go out in the unbelief territory. It is not profitable and it is not pleasing to God. You remember the spies that, that were sent by, by Moses and the spies came back, 10 of them. Hey, 
it looks like they're more powerful and the cities are fortified. They're very large. And we saw the descendants of Anak there. But did Jesus, did you see anything that you can come back and report about good? Those 10 spies suffered because they didn't see it. When we look at the need, Satan wants us to be discouraged. How long have you been praying for that unsafe family member? Have you decided to give up because they haven't come back yet? Is it because they're getting meaner and you're saying it's never going to happen? Don't you dare back up. Go back again and again and again and again and again because you might be the only person that keeps going back. God has an answer and he will bring it to pass. Don't worry about that problem understand the power of God's Holy Spirit and His sovereign will to do what He chooses to do through you, through you, through me. However, God wants us to have the potential victory. Caleb said, hey, God will help us conquer. Elijah said, I feel the drought. It's mighty hot out here, boys, but I still smell the rain. But he said, I'm not denying that challenge, but I smell a little bit of rain. I don't smell it. Doesn't matter. I smell it. Number two, nothing intimidates God. Say that with me. Nothing intimidates God. Nothing intimidates God. 1 Kings 18, 44. The seventh time, that's the perfect number. The servant reported Well, there's a cloud as small as a man's hand rising from the sea. So Elijah said, go tell Ahab, hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. What is so interesting, the magnitude of a person's need literally means nothing to God. Means nothing to God. Job 38, 8 says, again, as I read it, who shut up the sea behind the doors when it burst forth from the womb. When I said, this far you may come and no farther, here is where your proud waves halt. The devil, no matter what you see, no matter what is reported, is not in control. God is not intimidated People in our country today are saying, well, Lord, what's going to happen? He knows what's going to happen. Here it is. I'd rather know him more intimately than try to figure out what's going to happen in the future. Amen? I want to focus on him. If I know him, he holds me in the palm of his hand. Don't let anybody stir you up. God, the creator of the universe, is not intimidated by the difficult straits. We know that the drought for Elijah and Ahab was severe, and it was massive. But the servant said, I see a cloud about the size of a man's hand. That's it. Now, it's important to understand we deal with faith in Jesus' teaching in Matthew 17. He said, but you have little faith, I tell you. If you have the faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to the mountain, move. Nothing is impossible with the Lord. That mustard seed, the least of all, seemingly insignificant, it is extremely small. But when it is planted, when it is planted, when you keep going back, when you keep confessing, when you keep charging forward, 
When you keep going back a second and a third time and you tell the devil where he's a liar and where he can go, you are planting seeds for a mustard seed to bring forth a mighty harvest. And he gives the parallel in Mark, the fourth chapter, verse 30 and 32, about the kingdom of God relating to a mustard seed. He says, the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. He said, when that mustard seed is planted, it becomes the largest of all garden plants so that the big branches and the birds of the air can find shelter there. You know what he's saying? God's, God's kingdom is not limited to your environment. God's kingdom is the mustard seed that is planted. And God has ways that we've never thought about. He has people that he can tap that can be as wicked and bitter as they can be. But God can move them where they need to be to accomplish his will through your life. God doesn't need a saint to be able to accomplish his will. He can use the devil himself my friend and manipulate that person to bring to pass the dynamic will of God why God's kingdom is not limited to the church it is moving forward throughout the world and beyond in which we live tonight right now God can speak to someone who's not even in this room right now God can speak to someone in some situation who knows nothing about Jesus Christ and prick their heart and move them in a direction to bring to pass what he needs for you. So what is the point? God can take nothing and make it something. He can take the least and make it great. He delights in beating the odds, and he can build out of ashes. We know the story of David and Goliath and Gideon the 3,000, Isaiah 45. I will go before you and will level the mountains, and I will break down the gates of bronze and cut through the bars of iron. I'm suggesting to you and those of you online, you're sick, you're pushed back, you've got something that throbs in your heart, you cry day and night, you weep at will. It's all right to weep, it's all right, but sooner or later, look above that. And you might need to say, I smell and hear the sound of the abundance of rain before anybody says, I see a little cloud. You might have to say, I just know that I know that I know that God is able, listen and act. 1 Kings 18, 41b, 43b, 44b. There is the sound of abundance of rain. Go again seven times, prepare the chariot and get down that the rain will not stop you. In all those three points, it deals with obedience and deals with faith. Deals with obedience and deals with faith. Let me encourage you. Don't let all your prayers be about just what you think you need. Don't let all your prayers be about finding a mate or having a better job. Don't let all your, that's when thy will be done. 
Thy will be done. When you get into the bigger things of God, and you begin to pray, God, I want to see a supernatural outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and I want you to start right here in me. I want you to shake me to my core. All Elijah had was the Word of God in his heart, and that's our foundation to believe. The obedience always perseveres in faith. We know that. Elijah told the servant, you keep looking, and obedience and faith will be visible in action. When he said, go tell Ahab, your chariot, prepare your chariot and get ready to ride. What made Ahab do that? You know why? He just saw the same man call fire down from heaven and consumed his little pitiful altar. And the fire licked up the water in the trenches until it was bone dry. And Ahab must have thought, I don't see a cloud, I don't hear thunder, I don't see lightning, but that man right there just called fire down from heaven. And if he says, go hitch up the horses, <laughs> I'm going to go hitch up the horses because my belief in if he can call fire down from heaven, he can flat out make it rain. Amen. May I tell you, that's how God feels about us. You might say, I don't know how to understand it, but I know that God holds the whole world in his hands. I know he healed my friend of cancer. I know he has elevated me on my job. I know that he's made a way where there's been no way. I know he's kept my family safe. I know that he's taught me some lessons. And if he says, don't worry about it, hallelujah, then I'm going to hitch my horses up to my wagon and I'm going to take off before I am overwhelmed with a storm that is coming. May the people of God began to behave in a way that says that's the kind of faith that we have. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps and begin to act like a man in control. A woman on her way to the best blessing that she has ever had. A family that will be blessed more than they could ever imagine. That's who you are my friend. And that's who God is in our lives by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Stand to your feet and let's give the Lord a beyond the imagination hand clap, shall we? We're going to have a little worship and we're going to pray over these cards and we're just going to believe God and give you probably 10 minutes, uh, 10 or 12 minutes, maybe 15, whatever the case. I want you to believe. I want you to just pour your heart out. I want to encourage you. I want you to pray for this Sunday. I can tell you, I can tell you someone that I worked on who's come to faith. I worked on for five years, five years, just continually visiting, saying hello, dropping by occasionally. I don't have time for you, Reverend. Too busy today, you know. How does that make you feel like, you know? But when you know, when you know God, that's an individual, that's a big fish you've asked me to bring in. Now, I've never caught, I've caught a tar, I don't know what kind of fish, I've caught a goober or grouper, yeah. I've caught a grouper. 
and a couple of goobers too. <laughs> you know, and they don't, they don't, when you hook them, or a catfish, you know, or a bass, when you hook them, they don't just, okay, I give up. Did you know it? I just give up. You, you like when they fight. When he said, I don't have time for you, Reverend. But you know what? We just kept fishing. Now, he didn't even know he was hooked. <laughs> Y'all with me? He said, so faith without works is dead. Well, finally, I began to get phone calls after I prayed a sinner's prayer. Can you come by to see me? Can I ask you some questions? Can you explain a scripture to me? Can you tell me what I ought to be reading? Hallelujah. And so then he called here the other day, heard the message on Sunday. I want to come down to the church. I'm going to start doing things there. I'm going to give everything I've got because I want to be everything that I can be in Jesus Christ. I want you to know, friend, there is a stirring in the house and there's a stirring in your soul and in your spirit. And if you claim it and believe it, God will bring something by you that you cannot explain. It'll be beyond your imagination. Amen?